Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. This is a football episode. We're getting back into it, doing some off-season stuff. I think this one will be fun. I think our, I think our listeners will like this. We're going to do a look at the five major offensive position groups. We're going to assess a grade. We're going to talk about what worked, what didn't work, arrow pointing up or down, kind of a quick preview into the 2020 season, and then the big off-season question. So a uh, lot to get into. Probably only going to spend about a minute, minute and a half on each little segment, but should be a fun episode. Help you help you, uh, you know, get, give you some of your off-season fix. This is the review, review preview episode part one, looking at Michigan's offense. So Steve Lorenz is here with me. I'm Zach Shaw. Check out all of our stories. We'll even do some more digging on these particular topics over at the MichiganInsider.com and Michigan.247Sports.com. Uh, but we can go ahead and get started first. Quarterback, uh, you know, Shea Patterson threw for the second most yards in Michigan football history, threw for 23 touchdowns. Uh, you know, his interceptions, I, I, I should probably have pulled up how many he had. But it wasn't it wasn't bad. I mean, he ended up, I think, leaving Michigan with the best touchdown-to-interception ratio, uh, either the best or the second-best quarterback efficiency rating, you know, second-best yards. I think he, I believe he did not pass Devin Gardner in touchdowns, but still top top six or seven in basically every passing category despite only playing two seasons. That said, Steve, looking at how the nation did in passing, looking at how, um, you know, maybe maybe taking the good moments that Shea Patterson had and the bad moments, I give him a I give him a B. Just a straight B for this season. He was he was solid. He won them a couple games or he looked really good in a couple key games. But and I don't think he was Michigan's biggest problem, but at the same time in college football these days, being solid, being not your biggest problem on the team, that's not going to get you where you need to go. You know, I think I think um, you look at the top ten, top or top fifteen quarterbacks this season and passer efficiency rating. Eight of them were quarterbacking top ten teams. There is a direct correlation to how good your quarterback does and how good your team does. And so, you know, for, for maybe it was unfair, the expectations he entered Michigan with, but he did not meet them. And I don't think he was good enough in some, some games that Michigan lost this season. So I give him a B. Your thoughts on his grade? Yeah, B, B minus. Uh, okay. This is not like a B. I, I'm probably in agreement with you. I think, you know, and again, I'm, I think I've, probably made my point clear is I'm not, I'm not big on the meaning the, how much the bowl games mean, but his play in that game, I think is what cost Michigan more than anything. Uh, Multiple missed open receivers. You could argue he was their biggest problem in that game other than Jerry Judy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so not, he didn't go out on a high note, obviously, Thought he played mostly well against Ohio State. Uh, I didn't think he was the problem in that game, you know. And I think that's that's a situation where maybe he's maybe would be a little unfairly maligned uh, when people look back history wise. You know, I think what Michigan dropped eight passes in that game, some insane amount of passes they dropped. Yeah. You know, and the defense, you know, obviously didn't play well either. Uh, you know, Michigan State, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know how much, you know, Michigan State kind of stinks or stunk. You know, it's like, how, it was you know, obviously he played a great game in that game, but it's like, how, you know, what does that really do? Well, and Brandon Peters, not, not, this is not a slight at Brandon Peters either, but he was obviously not, I mean, Brandon Peters left because Shea Patterson beat him out. He also threw for 300 yards against Michigan State literally the week before. Yeah. So, so. right. No. So, um. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it, he, yeah, he, outside of again, outside of the bowl game, which again, attach whatever meaning you want to attach to the bowl game. But outside of that game, I don't think you would you could argue he was like one of the top two or three reasons that they lost any of the games that they lost this year. But at the same time, yeah, I think when you consider. As far as if you want to be an elite program, you know, I never think he obviously, you know, he never fulfilled that 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think with that, yeah, it's got to be a B, maybe at best. And again, it, you know, maybe a little hard on him, I suppose. But again, if you're trying to win a big in college football, you got to have a, you have to have an elite quarterback. And and I don't think he, you know, when it came down to it, he was never really yeah, in that that top ten, no, top twelve no. quarterback conversation in the country. In and fact, so, in fact, he did not rank in the top thirty in a single passing category this season. Hmm, now. Yeah. Granted, part of that, if Michigan's winning a lot of games, they might not need him to pass as much as, say, a, oh, looking at some of the top, you know, Arkansas State or a, um, you know, Kent State, Liberty. You know, the, obviously, when you, if, you're a, if you're a group of five team, it's going to be a little different. But he, the expectation was that he would be at least a top 30 quarterback, probably top 10 to 20. So... No, he didn't meet expectations. He was he wasn't below average nationally, so I I can't give him lower than the B minus, because I don't know. I feel like most colleges like Michigan grade where B minus is probably about an average nationally, so can't give him lower than that. But I think you've kind of talked me into a B minus. Just the numbers are not are not there. He was this this might be. Cherry picking a little bit. He was 95th in the country in completion percentage. Yeah, that's... And again, I mean, you know, it'd be interesting to look at the numbers in the second half of the season compared to the first in that regard, maybe. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, and it turned out to be true. You know, they laid the egg against Wisconsin. We heard, and all we'd hear was, you know, the offense is going to get better. The offense is going to get better. And it did. It got a lot better by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. What was the S&P? Would they finish 12th? In offense, they finished pretty high. They finished higher than they have under Harbaugh at any season. I know that. Hmm. But well, yeah. either way, though. But either way, it was yeah. good, but not good enough. You know, I guess that's the best way to put it. I suppose. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and again, that's, I, that's what a B is. If, yep. if you know yep. if your kid comes home and says, "I got a B," you say, "Okay." I think you could probably do a little bit better. Uh, yep. So, uh, awesome. next next two out of the five. Is the arrow pointing up, or is it down, or is it pointing the same? And then the big offseason question with quarterback, it's easy. Right. It's can can they turn one of Joe Milton or Dylan McCaffrey into into a star? Can can he you know elite? Joe Flacco kind of ruined that that word for me when it comes to quarterback <laughs> play, but um, but no, I mean can can they be a star quarterback? And and that's I wrote a column about it about a week and a half ago. That's what Michigan needs. You can talk about the recruiting. You can talk about the defense. You can talk about this or that. Star quarterbacks are leading their teams to victory. The leaders in passer efficiency rating in the country this year, Joe Burrow, number one. Jalen Hurts, number two. Justin Fields, number three. Trevor Lawrence, number eight. You know, Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota had a great season. Tyler Huntley, Utah had a great season. You know, in that top five, you know, or Justin Herbert, 14th. Kyle Trask, fifteenth. Um, I thought the I thought the Georgia guy was up here somewhere too. Maybe not. From yeah, he was not. But still, if you want to be a good team, you got to have a good quarterback. And so, can they turn one of these two into stars? Right now, I think the arrows even. I think they'll both have off seasons. I expect one of the two to prog- to progress to what Shea Patterson was at the beginning of this season. Maybe that's. You know, we haven't seen enough of these two to know for sure, but I do think I think they can get what they got, especially second year under Gaddis. I kind of look at it like Penn State with Sean Clifford this year. So they they lost their starting quarterback, but the offense was a little bit more understood. It was a little bit more um, there's a little bit more experience with the quarterback. So Sean Clifford kind of hit the ground running. You know, he wasn't he wasn't amazing. He wasn't Justin Fields, but he was he was pretty solid. I know Michigan to meet it its own expectations needs more than a little solid. To me, the arrow's pointing the same. The big question is, can one of them become a star? Uh slightly up. I think the ceilings are higher for both guys. Because I think both of them are more athletic. Than Patterson was. 
you know the the ceiling and this is i mean this has been the story the whole time and, and like you said we haven't seen enough of it is you know the ceiling for milton is incredibly high um he has all those things you can't teach but i think and we, you know, this was known when he committed is it was going to be a little bit of a journey to get there you know with mccaffrey I said McCaffrey, there's a few, like, you watch McCaffrey, there were a few plays I think he made this year that, you know, also sort of made you think, like, man, like, he offers some things that Patterson really didn't. You know, I think a lot in the screen game, you know, Michigan's screen game was not good this year. I mean, there's just really no way to put it. As far as, like, your classic running back, you know, overly aggressive defense, run the running back screen type, McCaffrey made a couple plays in those types of situations where, you know, he used his athleticism to make make the play a little bit easier than Patterson did. And I think both guys, again, we haven't seen much of it from Milton. The other thing, too, both guys, I feel like, maybe the potential to have a little more poise in the pocket than Patterson did. I think it's the one thing with Patterson is you knew when – the opposing front seven was having success because I think he would he would rush. Not super rush to where it was like super noticeable, but you'd know when he was maybe the ball was coming out a little bit sooner than it, than it was supposed to, or he wasn't maybe he was throwing the ball before he'd really fully made his read. And I think these I think both of these guys are capable of maybe having a little bit more poise in the pocket when they need to. So I'm gonna, I'm actually I'm gonna say slightly up because I do think again I think the ceiling because this is gonna be the most heated competition that Michigan's had at quarterback in I mean I don't know how long uh, it's been a long time because I think both guys are have a legitimate chance of winning you know I don't I this is not spadeo corn or whatever like that you know this is much 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 bigger potential for whoever comes out of there okay. Uh, you know, well, it should be. I, I'd say this. I go on my soapbox. It should be. I mean, these were two of their. These were their top guys. Mm-hmm. If if they don't come if they don't come out of this quarterback battle with a guy who at the very least has a higher ceiling than what they have with Patterson, then I think it's fair to criticize what they've done at quarterback under Harbaugh because these. I mean, these were not guys that they like took a flyer on. McCaffrey was the number one guy for them in 17. Milton was pretty much the number one guy. There were a couple other guys they offered really early, but as far as guys they could get, it was Milton or Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and when they got them both on campus, they they liked what they saw from Milton more, and they decided to go with Milton. Now, yeah. they might not have gotten Thompson-Robinson either way, but long story short, they, they preferred Milton after both guys visited in the same weekend. So, you know, so again, arrow slightly up, and yeah, I mean, they're, they are in a situation now where if, if the quarterback play is not high quality next year, of very high quality, I think fans have a reason to be pretty disappointed because these are the guys that Harbaugh wanted. Absolutely. So, so. I, think, I think if you look at it objectively and you say you hired a head coach and he has not developed a quarterback that can win, that can be a star for them, in six years, yeah. I mean, if you if that happened at another school, you'd say, well, that guy's probably just not a good coach, right. especially given his history with quarterbacks, given that he played the position, that he's coached the position, he's turned a number one pick, out of, you know, made a three star a number one pick at the position. It's at a certain point, you just have to say, no, you can't do it. So this is really that year where I think that that argument holds some water. Yeah, I think you could maybe make the case that you never quite got your answer out of Shea Patterson. Uh, I think you could. You know, he he was a five star. You talk about high ceilings. He was supposed to have a ceiling comparable to the guys who played in the playoffs this year. And so, um, certainly, you know, something to be said for the transfer. For maybe five star quarterbacks are not always that good, but still, uh, this is a big year for them. On to running back. As far as the grade and what worked and what didn't work. A lot of people are really high on these running backs, and and I think there's a lot of reason for that. As far as a grade, though, I I, I have a tough time giving them an A minus or an A. I didn't feel like there were 
enough explosive running plays. Felt like there was a good amount of methodical running. You didn't quite see the explosion against some of the teams you needed to see it against. They, they had a nice first half against Alabama, but then the second half, I think they combined for, what, 18 yards? This is Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet. Uh, the fumbles early on in the season, that counts as part of the grade. I think um, I think there's a, there's a few things here. I'm comfortable with giving them a B plus. I think, uh, as far as what worked. I mean, they were young. I felt like the blocking got a lot better throughout the season. They did avoid fumbles late in the season. That counts the same as, as the fumbles early in the season do. Um, what didn't work, I mean... I think they wanted a little bit more out of out of Christian Turner. Hassan Haskins was a was a surprise in his replacement. But and then Charbonnet, I think think gave about what was cautiously optimistically expected from the coaching staff. I think this is roughly what they were kind of looking at. Uh yeah, I I'd say B or B plus for the running backs this season. Steve, what do you think? And then what worked and what didn't work? I'm going B plus A minus just because I'm looking at relative expectations heading into the season. Uh, I think. Sure. You you do the curve. To, well, to take a position that I think most, if not all, would have said would have been maybe the. I mean, I think I'd, have, I'd actually have to go back and look, but I mean, didn't we do an article before the season last year where we ranked like a power ranking of the positions, and they and had to have been back. they had to have been near the bottom, if not yeah. the bottom. Yeah. Now, you'd almost argue that the, it, the future is brighter at running back than almost any position on the roster. And it's worth noting some of the running back attrition was not their fault. It's not their fault that um, Omari Samuels got arrested for domestic violence and had to be kicked off the team. It's not their fault that Chris Evans had academic um, misconduct and was also kicked off the team. I mean, the, the, those two were probably supposed to be their one and two. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I guess we didn't, we didn't see enough of Samuels to know if he was going to fill that role. Um, but you know, and then if you go back big picture, you know, Kareem Walker, obviously that was some of that was out of their hands too. And so don't necessarily blame Michigan, but at the same time, it was a young group. And as you said, we were going into the season saying other than defensive tackle, this is their biggest weakness, and they need they need some surprises, and they did get a couple of them. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I B plus A minus again, and I'm I am I'm doing more. It's from I guess my my outlook here is much more of the you know relative to what the expectations were because they I think the running back position far out like far exceeded what people thought. Haskins being the biggest driver behind that. You know, I know Charbonnet statistically had a better season, but we hyped up Charbonnet pretty heavily. And he, to, from my from my expectation standpoint, uh, exceeded those expectations too. You know, I think we, I think, what was it, like, I think 600? Remember we put a yardage out there. I think it was like 600 or 650. Yeah, you said 600, yeah. Yeah, and I think at the, even then I was like, man, that's a uh, you know, true freshman. Michigan's always been kind of cautious playing true freshman running backs, and we knew he he didn't really do any spring ball, you know, and he exceeded that. Uh, what how many touchdowns he had? 11, 12? You know, mm-hmm. it's like so had a great season. Futures bright there. The other thing too, why the arrow is is way up for me is Charbonnet looked he looked even, and I know Alabama did a good job slowing down the running game in the second half, but. He looked more explosive against Alabama than he had all season. I test, opinion. I test. I'd say that was his best game. Yeah, uh, whether that was because he was one hundred percent or what, he looked more explosive and looked faster and quicker in that game than he did all season. So, if there's something, you know, he's a guy. And again, Haskins. And I remember, I think Jay Harbaugh mentioned this during one of his availabilities about. How Haskins is was very valuable because he gains positive yardage on like ninety something percent of his, you know, like not a guy that you're gonna have a lot of TFLs on, and I think there's value in that, you know. But I think Charbonnet is a guy, you know, star potential. 
mm-hmm. next year. And so, so oh, yeah, ahead. no, no, yeah. I'm done. I'm good. Yeah. So putting some numbers to my claim that they didn't have a lot of explosive plays, they ranked 71st in the country in rushes of 10 yards or more. They ranked 80th in the country in rushes of 20 yards or more. And they ranked 98th in the country. They had just five rushes of 30 yards or more. Now, you know, you can, that doesn't have to mean everything to you. To me, that means that they're still, they're still looking for ways. And, and they had a pretty good offensive line. I think when it's all said and done, all five offensive linemen will at least play in an NFL game. Runyon maybe being the one wild card. But that interior offensive line was pretty good this season. Uh, there's no slouches. Oh, they were 104th in rushes of 40 yards or more. They did not have a single carry of 50 yards or more all season. So, you know, it doesn't have to mean everything. To me, that's one thing that didn't work. Also, didn't realize it was so low. Only 70 receiving yards from Charbonnet and Haskins, 14 from True Wilson, 13 from Christian Turner. Maybe that's a Gaddis thing. Maybe Giles Jackson kind of being able to play out of the backfield changes what they do. Something to keep an eye on, though, is does their pass catching improve? That was one thing Chris Evans really added to the offense. And to the arrow pointing up, it's pointing straight up. They return they return everybody. Um, you know, they bring in uh, Chris Evans. They bring in Blake Corum. You know, we'll see if some of the – well, True Wilson has actually already transferred out. So we'll see if some of the players lower on the depth chart transfer – to other programs, but uh, the the core is pointing straight up. And well, I mean, Wilson transferring out is another good indication. I think Blake Corum is going to see legit playing time next year as well. I think, yeah, uh, because he's different than the other two, and he's different than Evans is. He's mm-hmm. closer to Evans, I think, than he is to Charbonnet or Haskins. But yeah, I mean, he's he's different. Like he's yeah. a guy, I think, uh, the comparison, I know I posted this on the board a few times. Again, he's not going to walk in and play like this, but uh, Edwards Hilaire for LSU is the name that has been mentioned to me a couple times as far as, you know, Corum, not only a guy that they want, that they can give the ball in between the tackles to, but they also think they can kind of split him out in that New England style offense as far as you know making him a little bit of a threat in the passing game which again i think evans is a guy we'll see how he looks coming back but obviously we you know we know evans is a guy evans is a guy they could put in a slot in certain sets i would think Mm -hmm. and and run him as a receiver but uh yeah arrow pointing very very up big offseason question how to me for me it's how to what kind of role does chris evans take is he taking a starting role because his numbers statistically are, are as good, if not better um, from on a, on a per snap basis. In addition to just career numbers, does he fall behind? Is he behind these two? Cause, cause there is a lot of excitement about Haskins and Charbonnet. Do they give him maybe some of the Giles Jackson packages where he's, he's in the backfield, but is kind of doing non backfield things. I, it's some it for me that's that's the big question because if they can figure it out, I think Chris Evans it has all Big Ten type of potential, even with the year off. But at the same time, I he could he could be anywhere from first to fourth on the depth chart, and I would not be surprised. So I'm curious to see where how he fits, and then what kind of because we said I think when Gaddis was hired, that Evans was maybe the most intriguing player under the new system. And so that's, that to me, that's the big off season question. Is that, is that yours as well? Or do you have yeah, a I don't think there's any other legitimate question, you know, that, that besides that, I mean, he is the, he's a huge wild card for Michigan next season, because I, I agree he could be, could end up being the best. And again, get people got to remember as far as, you know, him being off for a year, it, it's not injury related. So he's been able to train, been able to stay in shape, in peak shape, I would assume. You know, so it's not as if you're getting a guy coming off an injury. You know, it's not it, there shouldn't be a ton of rust. You know, there may be that game speed rust, maybe first couple weeks of the season or so. But again, they have other guys 
who can carry the load, you know. And yeah, I mean, how they utilize him will be it'll be fascinating because, you know, yeah, he would have been a guy that going into the season we would have thought, you know, would have been fun to see how Gaddis would use a guy like that. And so now I, I suspect we'll get to find out in some capacity. So no, right. any any intriguing question about the running back position uh, heading into next year should revolve around Chris Evans because, you know, it, it is it's. It's intriguing. It's one of the, it's the mm-hmm. arguably the biggest mystery, you know, for the team and the roster heading into the season. Okay, on to receivers grade. Man, this this is probably one of the harder ones to grade because I just can't tell. I can't tell if they, you know, if you want to base it on preseason expectations, I think it'd be hard to give them an A or an A minus. At the same time, there were games where they seemed to. You know, the Indiana game and the the Michigan State game come to mind where they just, they looked like they had a lot of stars. I think, I hope, I hope this doesn't come off as, as lazy because I just gave the grade, basically the same grade to, to the running backs, but kind of in that B plus zone. And if you want to go based off of preseason expectations, I think they were B minus. Um, so maybe you could settle on a B, something in that range. Probably a B plus, just because it did seem like they were stars at times. Definitely underachieved. Can you get a B plus and underachieve? I, w- I would say so. Uh, certainly, um, certainly had classes where I did something of that sort. So, um, what worked felt like the felt like that closing half of the season. You really saw they had a lot of ver- different types of receivers that could beat you in a lot of different ways. Ronnie Bell, he was obviously a big surprise this season. You know, just emerging as as a player who can you can put him anywhere on the field, and he's going to get open. He can break his routes. He can, um, you know, he can high point. I know he's not necessarily the tallest guy, but he he can make some plays. He's got some some verticality to him. I know everyone kind of laughs about the touchdowns or lack of touchdowns, but he made plays. Nico Collins looks like an absolute star. It's just a matter of how many times they can find him the ball. Uh, you know, I think Giles Jackson is another, maybe it wasn't a surprise because there's a lot of excitement about him, but he was 17 all season. And you saw toward the end of the year, teams didn't know how to defend him. They didn't know what to do. And that was in the return game, but also in in the receiving game. Very fascinating what, what they were able to do with him in the backfield or, or in motion. What didn't work, I mean, Tariq Black... Seem to just just kind of fade, um, you know. Donovan Peoples Jones. I know he was battling at least a little bit of an injury most of the season. Uh, don't think he quite, quite lived up to the the optimistic hope that Michigan had for him. Think his sophomore year, you could argue, was better than his junior year. So, overall, probably still better than average. Uh, didn't feel like this is what was holding Michigan back. I give him a B plus. Steve, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to say B. Okay. Because I think the excitement of those young guys offsets the disappointment of a couple of the veterans. Right. You know, I guess that's the way I'd look at it. Yeah, you talk about Jackson, talk about Sainer still. You could even talk about Cornelius Johnson, who I know statistically didn't make a big impact, but was obviously performing at a high enough level to get into enough games to burn his red shirt. I don't think Michigan would have done that. Now, again, maybe they anticipated, you know, a couple of those guys out of Collins, Peoples Jones and black would leave, you know, so maybe it was more of an anticipation type move to get him into games. But, you know, I think there's a ton of encouragement as far as the future of the position, much like at running back, you know, because every guy outside of Collins will be back in 20, 21 hmm. as well you right. know and and so yeah i'd say b because i know really what you said well i pretty much agree with it across the board as far as you know bell who i actually you know wasn't a massive surprise uh we had i mean i had him picked as my breakout player overall in the roster so i wasn't like shocked and i think we all got a sense once we, we heard about it in the spring but we thought maybe it was because these guys were injured and then in the fall you started to hear more and more about bell and you were like okay yeah. he's he's i think i named him the number one 
fall camp riser. Yeah. Um, you can go back and I'm actually going to go pull up that list, see how many of them I hit on. Because Cam McGrone was pretty high. Ronnie Bell was pretty high. Um, no, I actually, yeah. I think I, I actually think I had to check that article out for uh, something else recently. And no, your hit rate was pretty high. Actually, you'll have to look at it. But no, it was it was pretty darn high. Anyway, receivers, yeah. Uh, Collins would have had amazing statistics if he had gotten the ball thrown to him accurately on a consistent basis. Uh, I do agree on Peoples-Jones and Black. Black, a massive disappointment. Uh, you know, there's just no other way to put it. And, and with Peoples-Jones, I agree because we've seen his athletic ability and what he's capable of. And for whatever reason, you know, it only seemed to click in spots. You know, I think about the touchdown he scored against Michigan state as like, that's to me. He, he, and I think, you know, he always has reminded me of like, he could have been at Michigan. He could have been like a bigger and slightly faster version of Steve Breston. Mm-hmm. And it never really kind of fully came to fruition for whatever yeah. reason. Which, ironically, I mean, I actually kind of think he's a guy who's going to be a better pro than he was at Mid. Like, oh, I think, oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. like I think he's yeah. going to be like, you know, I think he's going to test through the charts, you know, or off the charts for the combine. I think he'll get drafted in a decent spot. I actually think he's going to be a pretty good NFL football player. Uh, but yeah, for whatever reason at Michigan, I don't know if maybe him and Patterson didn't click or what the deal was, but you know, yeah, kind of like just an underwhelming career in my opinion, just because, you know, I've been watching him since he was in eighth grade. And again, underwhelming could mean that maybe he wasn't utilized. And it can way... still mean good just for our listeners before anyone. Yeah, no, no, no. Trust yeah. me, I'm not. I'm the last person who would say something like negative on uh, purpose about Donovan because he was a pleasure to watch, especially in high school. You know, always a uh, just that dude. He did some stuff that I'd never seen anybody do in a football field before. I mean, the guy was insane. You know, like I said, this could be a situation where maybe I don't know, maybe Michigan uh, didn't use him to his, the best of his ability or didn't put him in the best spots all the time, but. I guess I'd say strictly from a statistical standpoint, you know, because there is still the idea, you know, you maybe you'd agree, disagree, that Bell, and I say this as I, like I said, I picked him as the breakout guy, but still maybe was a guy that still benefited from time to time with the attention paid to Collins and in some spots, Peoples-Jones, you know, and was just a guy who was able to take extreme advantage of that, and he did. But either way, though, I mean, he was the leading receiver. I mean, he had to do he had to do some of his own stuff to get there. So, uh, but no, future of the position is very bright. Sainer still another one took him a little bit longer, but once he kind of came on, you know, he looked like a weapon too. Bring in AJ Henning, Roman Wilson, who I think a few people on our board were a little surprised to see how big Roman Wilson actually is. He is not your five nine, uh, you know, type guy. He's six foot. And he oh. is he is lightning okay. he is lightning fast. He looks really small in every photo. He, he is I think he's like he's got a I think maybe he's just got a skinny face or something. I don't know. But I, okay. I agree. He looks very he does look skinny. And he does have I mean he's gonna have to put on a little bit of weight, but mm-hmm. he's a little bit taller, I think, than people realize. And What's he, he run a four three seven? So yeah, he would have been, you know, our, our national I don't know if did we talk about this in the podcast? Yes, we did about yeah, how there but, was the wind, would, no one was running a good time that yes, day. Yeah. He would have been number one. So he's right there. So bring those, get those guys on campus, you know, and, and we'll see what see if any of those guys can crack it. But yeah, I mean, the receiving core, again, even without Peoples Jones and Black, should be one of the best in the conference. Maybe maybe top two or three in the conference next season for yep. sure. I think the arrow's pointing up. I think Ronnie Bell and Giles Jackson are what I would call ascending gamers. They are going to keep getting better. Um. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I mean, really, it, it is fascinating how much anticipation was there was for Michigan's big three. And you saw them this season. And then I saw Alabama's big three. And I saw Clemson's big three. And I saw LSU's big three. And it's just the gap was pretty wide. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I just I feel like Bell is, is trending up. Jackson's trending up. The the other true freshmen you mentioned are trending up. I'm I'm always gonna be a little wary about true freshman receivers. That's not a position where players make instant impacts in a lot of cases. Some some players will. You know, there are your occasional Justin Ross types who immediately are are just better than anybody on the field. But but for the most part, it is kind of a second-year position group. Um, by the way, if I may, I'd like to flex about this fall camp risers because here were my six. Uh, number six, Jalen Mayfield. Number five, Cam McGrone. Number four, Carlo Kemp. Number three, Mike Unwenu. Number two, Ronnie Bell. Number one, Brad Hawkins. So Good job. Think, Sque- th- squeaky chair yeah. approves. Yeah. Good my pitch. back's hurting from patting it so hard. <laughs> no, you um, were no. It was, that's that's. You know, I think we but, we've gotten flack for hyping guys up in spring ball. You know, who don't yeah. like completely blow up. But this fall, I thought we, by and large, knocked it out of the park as a team. Yeah. I mean, most of those guys did. Yeah, again, it almost like we were too right. It was that they should have played McGrone earlier, but that's a whole different. Yeah. yeah. Situation, but. Um, arrow for me, the arrow's pointing up big off season question. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you could probably do a, an easy one about Nico Collins. Will they find him enough? I'm going to go ahead and say, what can these freshmen bring? Because I think last year they actually kind of lucked into the fact that a lot of the receivers were very Josh Gaddis type, you know, the six foot, lots of quick burst. Uh, with Jackson and Sainer still. But, you know, guys like Henning and Wilson, you, you look at you look at Ohio State, it seems like every year there's a true freshman that's able to just break the game open for them. And that's what good teams have. We mentioned quarterback, but look at LSU's receivers. Look at Clemson's receivers. Look at Oklahoma and Alabama. And so I, you can do a lot if you have just, I mean, like Roman Wilson, if he goes out there and, is running a four-three-five equivalent. Obviously, it's different with pads and helmet on, but if he has that percentile speed, he's going to get some points. He's going to. They're going to find him the ball. It's it's going to be a productive season for him. So, for me, I think it's about about those freshmen because I think there's a lot of intrigue. Gaddis, you know, I think I think he redeemed himself in the eyes of Michigan fans. I, I would imagine so, and. He might be the best receivers coach Michigan has had in a long time. I don't know enough about what assistant coaches do to, you know, in practice without being able to see practice to really say that, but the the praise I've heard about him is just that he can he's going to do a lot of productive things with that group. So, curious to see what the freshmen bring. What's your big offseason question? Mm, trying to think who's like an intriguing guy. I guess stick with Sainer still. See if he takes the next step. This offseason, you know, it's like you said, I think Jackson kind of emerged as a legit, you know, like weapon, a guy they can utilize in a lot of different ways. I think Sainer still is on his way there. You know, I'll be interested to see, you know, if he kind of takes the next step. Because, yeah, I mean, the like Henning is a, a guy who could be an instant impact player. We talk about Wilson, you know, but, but they already do have a pretty established group. I mean, I guess you could say the same about Cornelius Johnson to go back to him as a guy that, hey, like, what's he going to add in year two? You know, could he, realistically, could he be, next season, could he be what we thought Tariq Black was going to be this year, let's say, or something like that, you know, as far as a a good, a very high-quality complementary piece to Collins, as far as, like, your classic outside, kind of, I don't know, we call, like, a vintage Michigan receiver. You know, can he be, like, the... I'm trying to think of the best, like a like the Adrian Arrington to Manningham or something. I don't know, something like that though. You know, it's like a, a very very high quality complimentary guy. Because you, know, you got to remember the thing with Johnson, 
that I kind of take with me when I think about him. A little bit like Aiden Hutchinson, where where he had an amazing uh, week at the All-American game his senior year, and then all of a sudden parlayed it into a, as a summer enrollee playing, I think, six or seven games this year. I mean, to me that means, to me that says they feel like there's something, there's really something there, you know. So I think he could quite sneakily be a breakout candidate next year. So between those two guys, interested to see, you know, who really emerges out of that group. Because yeah, you got you got Collins, you got Bell. I think you put Jackson as as more of yeah, like a kind of an established ish guy. You know, it's like it'd be interesting to see out of those other two who really produces next season. Yep, yep. Okay, next next position group. Uh, maybe probably don't have too much to say about this one. Tight end uh, grade this season. They actually exceeded my expectations. I, I, you know, we've talked about what Sean McCune and Nick Eubanks can bring, but I think it was unclear what kind of steps they were going to take with the new offense. Uh, felt like felt like it was a productive year for the tight ends. Uh, you know, Sean McCune, I know he battled some injuries, but he ended up with 235 yards and a couple touchdowns. Nick Eubanks, I think, took a step forward, 243 yards and four touchdowns. Um, uh, you know, Luke Schoonmaker and Eric All kind of emerged as maybe the next generation. Probably. I mean, I, 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 there was never tight ends a weird one because there was never going to be a game where you're like, they're the reason Michigan lost. But you're also never going to say, boy, if Michigan hadn't had that tight end play, I don't know if they win this one. So probably a, a B plus. This one I am putting a little less thought into. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't can't overthink it. Maybe maybe an A minus because I felt like the blocking was pretty solid too. Um, I don't know. Are you in that same boat? I just B plus A minus. Um, I was gonna say I was gonna say B or B plus. Okay. I think the blocking was there, but I still think it was just a, a smidge inconsistent. I, I kind of well, early on it definitely was. That's true. Right. I still kind of sometimes wonder, you know, if if like just sometimes these tight ends are just put in difficult situations from a blocking standpoint, you know, where theoretically, you know, the scheme would be great if the tight end is blocking perfectly, but you know, how many years, you know, has Harbaugh been here and it just, you know, how it feels like the blocking is always kind of inconsistent at best. Do you think it's maybe kind of like how safeties it's like, it it's probably not their fault as much as the eye test would suggest. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think it's a good comparison. You know, it's like, I, I think, you know, maybe one area where I'd blame coaching in not in more of the more so the scheme and not like the individual like position coach like this. I'm not saying like anything about Sharon Moore at all. Because if anything, they took a bigger step blocking this season than they had in any other in any year under Harbaugh. I just think sometimes the issue is feels like yeah, those guys are put in tough blocking situations in in on certain you know designs and stuff, and and it. You know, a lot of got thought times it feels like they're left on islands against, you know, some decent football players. So, you know, we'll see if that improves next year. I say one thing, uh, you know, Eubanks, another guy, I think quietly, not that he was, I don't know if he was ever really a, a true threat to, to leave, but high ceiling kind of guy. Who yeah, was starting yeah, he to could f- rise. Was starting to figure, was really starting to figure it out, was starting to produce as the year wore on last year as a guy I think could have a huge season next year if they, you know, and again, we keep bringing up names. Really what it comes down to is people realize at the skill, Michigan should be one of the most talented teams in the country at the skill positions next year between running back, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, they should be one of the better teams in the country, at least at the top. You know, you talk about mm-hmm. Collins, Charbonnet, who should take another step forward, Eubanks, like their number one guys at those positions be one of the better combos in the country so this isn't like a uh hey every guy in the team has a chance to <laughs> break out but really at the tip top they they have some really really good players you know and, and have collins and eubanks return i think is, is pretty significant for them so uh 
B B or a B to B plus. I mean, which I think I don't know. I'm satisfied with overall. Uh, they utilize the tight end more, almost maybe a little bit more than I thought they would under Gaddis. I right, wasn't sure. Right. You know, I wasn't as he had never really called or run his own. You know, didn't ever had full control of a scheme, so it was like it was all it was a mystery to everybody, I guess, how they'd use it, and they use them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you saw, you know, especially in the red zone, you know, a lot of nifty usage of the tight ends in the passing game in the red zone. I thought so. You know, I assume they probably won't go far from that next year. You know, you saw how successful it was. So, right, pleasant right. surprise for them recruiting wise too. Tight ends can, don't have to think what Michigan's saying is BS. You know, they can still recruit some high-level players at tight end. You know, it's not uh, lip service. You know, it's like they can show them legitimate ways that they've been using these guys. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and if you factor in that McCune was injured for, for several games, uh, you certainly can't control that. You know, felt like felt like they got what they got more than what they necessarily were expecting or, or hoping to. And, and I will say, I mean, Gaddis has been a part of a lot of tight end heavy offenses i think it gets i mean didn't alabama have one of the best tight ends in the country last season and then obviously penn state had mike jasicki who's starting in the nfl right now so yeah is there i I think eubanks has nfl potential i think he has top 100 nfl draft pick potential we'll see if he if he taps into it but if you think about top tight end top receiver top running back this has got to be michigan's best trio of top skill position players in a long time i mean i'm not gonna not gonna hurt my brain thinking too hard about it but it does seem like um there's high potential in all three position groups and for that reason you know this isn't a diss on sean McCune. i actually really enjoyed covering him i thought he was always always got a bad rap from from fans uh certainly some drops that that caused that but he also did seem to be like uh, maybe like an Eli Brooks type, where I think I think fans were ready to to blame him without necessarily watching the ins and outs of plays. Um, I still think the arrow is probably pointing up here. I think Eubanks, uh, Schoonmaker, Eric All. That's a that's a pretty good starting trio. And I will add, and this is my big off season question, because we saw ahead of the Citrus Bowl that it sound it seems like. Ben Mason and, and Luke's or not Luke's gonna make her Ben Van Summeren. Sounds like they're gonna find some they think they finally figured out what they want to do with those two. And it's an H back role. Uh maybe like what Khalid Hill had a few years ago. Yeah, I know I know Van Summeren was a running back and, and Mason moved to defensive tackle. And then they had him in fullback situations occasionally. But this H back role from what we saw in practice, this is going to be a tight end H-back, not necessarily a, a running back group. This is going to be tight ends. So what does that look like? Because that could be really interesting, not just in the passing game or the running game, but in the blocking game too. You know, they get an extra step back. They're off the line. I, I'm very fascinated by it. I'm very fascinated to more, learn more about the development. Maybe this is not, it's not actually going to look that different. But I, I, I can't say I'm not intrigued. Steve, arrow pointing up or down, and then what's your big offseason question? Up, for sure, because I think Eric All is somebody that Michigan fans probably want to get excited about. The biggest reason why, you know, it's like one of the so two things. It's kind of goes step in step here. Uh, one, I think it was before they even, I think it was like in, because he was an early enrollee. Yep. I want to say in April or May. It's like I think I reported that those within Schembechler thought or believe that All has the second best hands on the team besides Nico Collins. Uh, so with that in mind, you think about I go back to Sharon, one of Sharon Moore's media availabilities where he talked about All being a guy that craves contact in the blocking game. And as somebody, you know, that they're not afraid of as far as putting him in those types of situations. You know, some some tight ends are only worried about catching the football. Not saying that other guys in Michigan's team were just saying, like, you know, the 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 idea of, you know, 
a lot of tight ends want the ball. They're not as worried about their blocking. Well, he right. played it. He played in a wing T offense at Fairfield High School in Ohio, so he he was pretty much used used to blocking. Uh, you know, he's a guy all would have been ranked way way higher recruiting wise if he had played on a team that threw the ball at all. Because his whole grade and, and rating, which he eventually got four star status when our guys actually got to see him like run routes and catch passes, but the ninety five percent of his scouting was at those camps because there was no high school, there was barely any high school film of him catching the football. Well, now all of a sudden you got reports from legit areas within the program telling us that he has uh, his hands are among the best on the team. I suspect he'll be the number two, which okay. I think is yeah. a, I think is a great thing because I think they still really like what they have in Schoonmaker too. That's not a hey, he's definitely he's going to run laps around Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker's going to be stuck at three. I think they like what both guys offer. You know, Schoonmaker a lot like I would say like a lot like what Milton is at quarterback. Very high ceiling player that I think Michigan took knowing he was going to take a couple of years to get there. You know, we started to see it last year. I think he had a touchdown against Illinois. Yep. Uh, you know, played some 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 solid ball. So I think the arrow's up. They're also bringing in Matthew Hibner, who you know we had him in the top 150, which I want to say would be. Uh, I think it's, it's it's Harbaugh's highest ranked tight end commitment. Man, how okay? Don't want to spend a ton of time on this because it's not related to. But how many NFL? tight ends did he produce at Stanford and then how much did he use tight ends at San Francisco this is his first top 150 That's yeah they've they've strange, uh, my suspicion in a lot of in some of these races that they've contended in is the the statistical production from this passing standpoint Michigan's Michigan's approach, I think, at tight end is, you know, to, the, to not just the elite, but to all their guys they're recruiting is is much more of a, listen, if you want to play tight end in the NFL, if you legitimately want to play tight end in the NFL, you need to know how to block, too. This is not, you're not a receiver. You need to know how to block. Because he produced a Mackey winner, too. Like, I, I'm not Right, no, to, no, like, no. I think no, you're I still right. I yeah. understand. I, what I'm saying is, like, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it has been, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit of a disappointment, I guess. I, I wouldn't disagree with you there. You know, but again, think about some of the races they've lost at tight end. You know, it's like, well, Penn State, you know, Fryer Muth was completely snubbed uh, from even being a Mackey finalist. I don't, and we think he made the finalist list, which was insane to me. Uh, you know, but, but uh, still, Put up great statistics for Penn State. Penn State had Gasicki, who again, sort of more along the lines of what I was thinking, was a horrible blocker in college, but was an amazing, like a A plus plus in the receiving game, and is having a pretty successful NFL career too. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think you look at Theo Johnson. You know, Penn State had a a great pitch. Uh, you know, Notre Dame is a team they've lost some tight end battles too. And again, Notre Dame, Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Eifert. Uh, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's somebody else in the NFL right now. Well, Cole Komet had a pretty good year this yeah, year. Yeah, Komet too. You know, and so they, you know, the, there's like this like group of like eight schools, I feel like, that always fight over the elite tight ends. You know, Georgia, who's still recruiting five star tight ends despite producing a five star into an undrafted uh, free agent, you know, but still seem to be in the race for a lot of five-star guys. So, you know, Georgia, Stanford, Notre Dame, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State will pull one every once in a while. But again, that seems to be, well, not less and less. They got a couple good guys, but Rucker, you know, has mostly been a non-factor there. I think he made a great catch in the Big Ten Championship game, but has not done nearly what I think people thought he could do and would have probably done at Michigan, to be honest with you. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Hibner, yeah, highest-rated guy there. We'll see how they do this cycle. But, no, I mean, I, I guess I think it's fair. But, like, I, I go back, I look at all, and I think, like I said, I think he'd have been ranked a lot higher if, like, 
he had been given like a full eval. You know, a lot of it was based off of about three or four days at a camp. I gotcha. So they were happy. I mean, they were elated, you know, when they got him. They had him they had him at their own camp and he was he was amazing. And you know, that's one of those deals where I don't think Michigan really gave they didn't care, you know, what the recruiting ranking was. Mm-hmm. So uh but yeah, maybe I guess I don't know to to finish there. A little bit of a surprise, I guess, that Hibner is the highest rated. You know, even the Composite is still only a three star. We have him in the top one fifty though, and and I trust you know our guys in that regard way more than the Composite because they they really did a deep dive on him and, and loved him. So um, arrow up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I guess Harbaugh at Stanford was really just well. I shouldn't say really just. It was Zach Gertz, Kobe Fleener, and then. Um, Levine to Toy Lolo. So I thought the list was longer for some reason, but still. Well, he was um, only there for how long? What, four years? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. three guys who are still in the NFL today in <laughs> <laughs> four years. You know, okay. So it's not like. <laughs> so, all right. Maybe maybe a good off-season question if someone wants to table that and throw it up when we ask for questions in, you know, down the road. But offensive line, grade, a, I really don't have anything negative to say about the offensive line. They shut down NFL caliber defensive ends, first round draft pick caliber defensive ends. They, um, I believe the interior offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus, didn't give up a sack all season. You know, that's three guys that didn't do it. Uh, ben Bredesen, Cesar Ruiz played at first team all big 10 levels and I, I they weren't going to let tyler B, tyler Biadas not be first team all big 10 and he was very good but you know caesar ruiz probably his first teamer in other seasons um bredesen was named first teamer runyon was named a first teamer i i don't i probably you probably could put together a couple tackles that were ahead of him jalen mayfield looks like a future star mike and wenu you mentioned i think right before the before we recorded, he's tearing it up in the Senior Bowl. He also had a very good season, um, so I feels weird saying giving a straight A to a team that didn't play at an A level. I think I'm there with the offensive line. I don't. I can't. I think I, I I'd have to decide. I want to say something negative in order for me to say something negative about the offensive line. Um, maybe they didn't get quite enough push against Army. But they also were a little shorthanded in that game. So, A, A minus. It was a really good group. And I think it, I think it's going to be a forgotten group because of the 9-4 and four record. Uh, this, was, this was pretty, once it, for the second year in a row, really, a very solid offensive line performance for the Wolverines. A minus. Okay. Why the minus? Uh... I guess just still not being able to run the ball like super consistently against like an Ohio State. You know, you see, you saw what, and again, I know that the difference as far as the interior line between Ohio State and Michigan, maybe there's there's definitely a gap there. Uh, but seeing Myers, Davis, Jackson kind of opening up gashes for Dobbins to run through you know in that game Michigan didn't really ever seem to get it I don't want to measure their whole performance in in one game because they did an amazing job against Alabama I thought uh whether Alabama was fully motivated or not you know they're like you said that's a I mean probably almost what nine of those 11 guys will probably play in the pros or something I mean they they always do Mm -hmm. every year you know and and really uh kind of I thought spurred you know, I know Patterson really turned it on, but really they spurred that comeback against Penn State too because Michigan was really able to run the ball down Penn State's throat, you know, that entire second half. So, yeah, I mean, really still not talked a lot or talked enough about is that they got to replace four of these guys next year, and it's going to be really interesting. Now they, now they should have guys who are at least, like, ready because they finally built up the depth to give guys time to develop. You know, they aren't, this isn't no, this no longer a rush up front. 
You know, so the guys who play next year are either young players who are outplaying seasoned veterans or seasoned veterans who have basically had to wait their turn behind really good players like Bredesen yeah. and Unwino. More, more intentional starters. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's my, I'll just say my question. Uh, Arrow-wise, I mean, that's a tough one. It's hard to say up, even though, yeah. even yeah. though Warner, like they've recruited really, really well up front. And I know they like a lot of the guys that they have on the roster. Kind of actually one of the things that makes me probably just say maybe even at best is that they have kind of dabbled in the transfer portal with some mm-hmm. different offensive linemen. Makes you wonder if, if there's are one or two spots where they're a little questionable on what they have or where they think their ceiling is. At tackle, I, I, don't, I can't imagine. You know, because you talk about Mayfield – yeah, Mayfield looks like, I mean, he. you talk about somebody who finished the year strong. I mean, he looks like a guy who could be a first-round draft pick in a couple of years. Like, that type of potential. Not, And then you got Ryan Hayes on the other side, who was the voted the team's best lineman in the season opener. And then really played sparingly after Runyon came back. You know, and as a guy, right. like we've said up for a while, you know, still probably got to put on a few pounds, but really looks like he's on his way. Uh, Carson Barnhart, I think probably only Zach Carpenter was further ahead than him as far as the true freshmen's go, or true freshman group. Freshmen's not a word. Uh, you know, and, and he's look he looks like a tackle. And then we talk about Carpenter, who realistically could be the starter at center. You see Spinellis transfer out, makes you wonder if Michigan thinks that Carpenter's ready. You know, I don't know how you read it differently. You can't, yeah, because if Ruiz is going into the draft, you know, and Spinellis was, I think, I mean, whoever, wherever he goes, I think they're going to be happy with what they get. He you could, I, I bet he could start for a good I, chunk of Power I, Five schools. Absolutely, I would expect where he, wherever he does go, I would expect that he does start, unless you know he's a very, very academic oriented guy so i don't know if you know if he goes to like a virginia or a well maybe vanderbilt makes yeah you know sense. it's like you know i don't know if like that those teams have like a guy that's like ready or in better in those positions but yeah he's he's very very a very big possibility to start wherever he goes and mm-hmm. so um you know yeah to me this comes down to Where's Philly? How's Philiaga? Where's Philiaga at? Um, Honigford, those guys. You know how ready are those guys? You know because again, for all we know, those guys could be like really, really ready. They've just had to play behind some really good players. You talk about Philiaga's had to wait his turn behind Bredesen now. You know, very conceivable that he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just been playing behind a team captain for two years. You know, and so even, but maybe slightly down, I guess. I mean, this we're not gonna can't really sugarcoat it too much. It's just hard to see the line being as effective as a as effective as a unit as they were this season, just because of that loss. You lose a combination of experience and talent up front. It's hard to ask a whole new group to come in and you know play at that level. But again, here's the thing. Like I said, they've been recruiting really well. You recruit well, you should be able to replace guys like that. You know, it's what the elite programs in the country do every year. So, you know, I guess we're back to that area where if they take a big step down next season, that's an indictment in other areas, not necessarily the players, right? So, mm-hmm. by the way, I just looked it up, Spinellis. Some of the recent follows include offensive line coaches at UCLA, Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. Well, actually, he's followed quite a few. But anyway, no, but that's the, those are the those are the types of like yeah like a UCLA who again great that's a you know a UCLA great academic school they could probably use I mean they could use anything mm-hmm. on the field you know in Vandy that's yeah those are the types of programs I would connect him with if you know he was looking around so yep uh, anyway um, for me I I can't say the arrow isn't pointing down I mean they've got they have to prove they have to prove us wrong. You know, we can talk about Zach Carpenter and how he probably is going to be the starter. They, I think, think the rest of the team knows it. 
We can talk about Carson Barnhart, who was cited by players. Have not seen them do anything. You know, we, you can talk about high school film, but it, it is a different kind of kind of beast. And, you know, even Mike Unwenu, who ended up having a, it was looking very good right now as a second-year player and as a first-year player, there were times where he didn't look as good. Cesar Ruiz, I think he started to figure it out toward the end of his second year, but, you know, John Runyon's another guy who, I mean, one of their biggest games of the season is week one. And so that's... The arrow's not pointing even to me yet because I, I can't I can't say with any ounce of confidence that their left guard, right guard, and center will be as good as Ben Bredesen, Cesar Ruiz, Mike Unwenu. And John Runyon Jr. was a two time first team all Big Ten offensive tackle. You know, you can you can be excited about Ryan Hayes and say nobody knows if he's gonna be that good yet. So for me, it's pointing down. Uh the big offseason question. I think you brought up a good point about what do these second-year players look like? What do these new starters look like? I'm I'm curious to see what, what happens on both sides with the transfers because they have a lot. They have a, as much offensive line depth as they've ever had. But as we've heard, they're, they're kind of – they're at least kicking the tires with a couple potential offensive line. Well, I assume they're all in the portal. But – potential transfer targets uh and and then obviously if you're an upperclassman and there's a underclassman that passes you on the depth chart you're i'd say there's a pretty much a 70 80 percent chance you're transferring in today's college football and so keep an eye on the portal on both sides i think that will be our biggest clue into what michigan thinks of this offensive line if they go and try to get a an instant starter at, at a position in the portal, well, then maybe they, they didn't quite feel comfortable with who they had. But if you see upperclassmen like Spinellis transferring, well, then maybe their young guys really are going to bring it, and they are going to be something exceptional. So big offseason question. Obviously, the easy thing is who's the starting five. I think as of right now, I, I'm pretty – I think – I be pretty comfortable saying it's going to be left to right Hayes Filiaga Carpenter Stuber uh, Mayfield with with Barnhart maybe that sixth guy who can rotate in and push push some things in fall camp but we've seen it at other positions we haven't seen it a ton of offensive line yet transfers are a big deal in college football now and so it's it can it both guys coming in and guys leaving. So that's, to me, that's the big question. Um, arrow can be pointing down, and you can still feel like the offensive line is going to be good, but I just don't think it'll be this season's good. Unless unless I'm proven wrong. I don't, I don't, I'm not predicting it. Anyway, uh, those were our offensive review, preview. Hopefully that was enjoyable for the listeners. Uh, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Check out all of our stories, including more work on these position groups uh, in, the, in the coming days and weeks and obviously we'll have a defensive re- review preview next week this has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast hope you had fun hope you learned something and we'll see you next time